Let's do it. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got every line wide open. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you ain't right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> go ahead and give us a call. We've got Jim's already been patiently holding. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Uh, I have a, a late model Acura. And- uh-huh. Our lifestyle has changed so that we don't drive nearly as much as we did. And we, All right, sir. The car's coming up on a year old, and uh-huh. we've got 6,500 miles on Okay. And I was wondering about the oil changing when you do that. That's a great question, Jim. If you read Acura or Honda or Toyota or any of them's information in their owner's manual, what they will tell you is if you don't drive the car much, that is considered extreme service. So what you have to do is go to the severe service schedule. Now, even if you go to their severe schedule, they're going to tell you every 3,000 miles on all changes and generally about every three to six months. Okay. So that is probably the hardest service you can do to a car. I've got a friend of mine who has got a Chevy Tahoe, and he is a salesman, and this guy works all the way from Texas to Mississippi. He has literally got 400,000 miles, and it's about a 2008 model. And that thing, if you looked at it, you would think it was brand new. It runs like a dream because those kinds of miles do not ever hurt a car. It loves to run. But when it's sitting up a lot, you're going to need to change that all fairly frequently. I would not go any more than every six months under any conditions, and I would probably be using synthetic oil in it. Okay, that's a good, okay, I'll do that, and, and I'll just go ahead and make sure that yeah, it's twice it, a year, take just, it once a quarter. Yeah, just if you just kind of forget about the miles and twice a year change all with synthetic, you, you should be real good. And okay. you know, don't forget, too, Jim, about the time frames on other services because if you're just looking at miles, you know, some things are miles related, like spark plugs, for instance, are just going to strictly be mile related. It'll fire so many times and so many miles and it's going to wear out. But things like belts and hoses and stuff like that are going to be more time related. Any of your rubber components? Yeah, anything that's rubber um, or anything that's a chemical. Like right. tires? Coolant, tires, all that kind of right. stuff is time related. So you got to kind of watch the time on that as well as the miles. Sure will. All righty. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. You're Thanks welcome. for calling. Bye bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We would certainly love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We've got all our lines wide open. Put you right up at the top of the list. Just in case you don't get a chance to call in, something occurred to you during the week. Right. Or maybe you happen to think of something after we go off the air today. Well, when we get off the air today, we're not going to be back for two weeks. That's right. Fixing on vacation. Of course, got a couple of real, real nice pre-recorded shows that I put together. I think you'll really like them. We'll not be able to get your questions answered live. That's right. For you, two weeks after today, you, you will have <laughs> to go to the, to the website. website. So if you got a question, today is the day to get it in there. That's right. <laughs> like I said earlier, if you happen to think of something after we go off the air, you can always hit the website, get your questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's a g c o a u t o dot com. The acronym for that would be Altazan's Garage Company. Yep, easy way to remember. There you go. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and I think he's even going to take questions on vacation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always travel with my laptop. In fact, I put a little article on the site saying that we were going on vacation. We're leaving on the 9th, which is next Friday, mm-hmm. and we'll be back on the 19th. 
And we've got a little picture of a palm tree with two lawn chairs. I was wondering where that picture was going. (laughs) (laughs) Just to kind of make the point. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, just go on there, pop on there, see what you think. And, of course, there's tons and tons and tons of things you can do on that site. Lots and lots of good information. Put one on there last week on flat rate pricing. That's been very, very popular. A lot of people have hit on that. I even had a couple people have emailed me and mm-hmm. said, man, I'm glad to have this To understand it now. Yeah, I kind of understand a little better. Put one on there this morning on air pressure gauges. And what I did is went in and took some of the data from we were researching air pressure gauges and just kind of put some of that on. Explain the different kinds of air pressure gauges. Of course, you got the pencil type. You've got what they call the Bourbon tube gauge, which is the regular face type gauge with a little copper tube in there that expands, it moves the gear, mm-hmm. works through links and gears and what have you. And I've got a breakdown of one of those, shows you how it works. And of course, the digital gauges explains to you about those. And ironically, a lot of the gauges that are on the market, a lot of folks say, well, I'm going to buy a digital gauge and that should be more accurate. Well, technically, the ones we tested, the low end digital gauges are not as accurate as the old pencil gauges were. Right. And Just I, because the quality of that gauge or the accuracy of that gauge depends on the quality of the load cell that they use when they manufacture it. Right. And good load cells, just like anything else good, are expensive. Right. You can get them cheap or you can get them expensive. Well, sure. You can buy and import low-end digital gauge for probably $3. Right. Uh, you can buy one for $150. And the accuracy is going to be generally pretty closely related to the price of the gauge. But don't think just because you're buying a digital gauge or even an analog dial-type gauge that it's going to be more accurate. Because of the simplicity of the old pencil gauges, basically it was a calibrated spring and the air pressure was pushing against the spring, there just wasn't a whole lot to go wrong with them. So they tended to be a little more accurate, generally within plus or minus about 10% Mm -hmm. is what we have found on them. And they're also more accurate in the center of their range. For instance, if you've got a tire that requires 35 PSI, then you want to find a gauge that reads up to about 70 because that spring can only be calibrated at one point. On the low end, it's not going to be as accurate. On high end, it's not going to be as accurate because when you compress a spring, it doesn't compress perfectly equally. Exactly. So you're going to lose accuracy. That's why a lot of the guys who race cars, they're looking for low-pressure gauge because those big drag slicks, you're not going to put maybe 8, 10 pounds of air in them. Mm-hmm. If you're using even a high-end pencil gauge, it's not going to read very well unless you got one with a range of about 20 PSI which I haven't seen too many. Most of them have a range around 100 PSI, so they're most accurate around 50. And if you're using it at 8 to 20 to 12, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. it's not going to be very accurate. And and the biggest thing about any pressure gauge is that it reads the same pressure every time you use it. It has to repeat. It. That's right. It has uh, to repeat because if it doesn't repeat, all it is is a good display. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, if it doesn't repeat, you can't ever calibrate because what number do you calibrate to? If exactly. I put it on once and it reads 35, the next time it reads 32, the next time it reads 38. You okay, pretty much turn around and throw it in the garbage. Which one of those numbers do we <laughs> calibrate to? Exactly. Because it's not going to repeat, so it's it's absolutely useless. But if you can get a gauge that will repeat, mm-hmm. even if it's a pound or two off, right? you know that, so you can adapt for that. You can allow for that. We've got calibration fixtures at the shop, and we do, a lot of folks bring their gauges in, we'll check them for them and tell them, well, this one's two pounds too low. So if you allow two pounds every time you use it, then you're going to be pretty accurate. Right. And one point that I brought out in the article is that people say, well, how close is close enough? Well, most experts agree that two PSI in a tire will definitely significantly affect the performance of the car and the wear of the tires. Okay. So if your gauge only reads plus or minus four PSI. (laughs) Right. Then you're out of range already. Yeah. You're not ever going to have an accurate reading. And 
Some people just don't worry too much about that kind of stuff. Others do. So right. it's not for everybody, but it just goes through and explains to you all the different engagements and all. So that's just one of the articles on there. Got another one coming on next week. That'll be a two-part article. Because when I started writing the article, it was just so much information, I couldn't put it all in one. But it's going to be on brake shutter and brake noise. Warp yeah, real rotors, good article. calipers, those sorts of things. And it'll be a two-piece article with illustrations. Shows you what goes on, why brake rotors warp what you can do to try to prevent it, and a lot of really, really good information. That's the detailed topic section. And that one's going to start that on the That will come 10th? out next Saturday. Yeah, we'll be out of town, but it will come on next Saturday, and following the Saturday you'll get the second the... part of it, part Great. one and part two. First time I've done a two-part one. But when I start, I kept trying to whittle it down. <laughs> you, you just can't <laughs> it get was, rid of most of the information well, you really so need. it's just so much information, and if I put that much into one article, nobody would ever read it because it would be so daunting. If you look at it as eight pages long, nobody right. would sit down and read eight pages of text. So I tried to make it, and then you put the illustrations and all in there. you got such a huge document that nobody wants to really look at it. So mm-hmm. I tried to make it a little more manageable, a little more digestible. they give you something to look forward, forward to the next week. Kind of like a little teaser. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Whoa, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep, it's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah, I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. It's 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Between two of us, we'll answer all your automotive questions. Just go ahead and give us a call. We've got all our lines wide, smacking open. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call. You got it. You know, one question that I get a lot, and I'm trying to put together an article on this topic. I've been researching it and trying to get the information and the illustrations and stuff. But that's on buying used cars, or really buying any buying car. Buying any car, really. But particularly buying a used car. Some things to look out for and, and some things to do and one of the topics that I was touching on this morning when I was piddling around with it, and that is when you buy a car, there's generally also going to be selling a car because you've got a car that you're getting rid of exactly. for one reason or another. And in some cases, it may be that you've just outgrown the car that you've got. You may have had a sports car and you got married. Now you got children. You just don't need it anymore. It may be you've got a car, but you need a pickup. I mean, there's a number of reasons people trade cars. Right. Other than the fact that the car has major problems. Or just wore out. Or just wore out. That happens also. But one of the top is how do you maintain the value of your car so that you can get top dollar when you trade? 
And that's sort of a unique feel. A lot of people don't give that a lot of thought. But I know I've always been pretty lucky with that. Most of the cars that I've ever owned, when I got ready to sell them, I got back, man, a good percentage of what I paid new. And generally, the first or second guy who looked at it bought it. Right. But I maintained my cars really well. There's just a number of things you can do. One of the absolute tip-top ways to kill the value of your car is to modify it. Right. Go in, lower it, put big wheels on it, put big tires on it. What you do is narrow the market down so small That's right. until you've got to have the right guy looking for that particular well, car. And you've got then to have in, somebody who thinks exactly the way you do, exactly. which most people are not going to think the exact same way we do. That's and right. not only that, even in his mind, he's thinking, okay, did this guy do this right? Because when the car came from the factory, you know it was engineered a certain way. Uh-huh. But when you take it on yourself to re-engineer that car... You don't know whether this guy did it right. I'm a, when I look at a car and I raise the hood and the air cleaner, it's got one of those little chrome air cleaners yeah. on it. And <laughs> it's just like, okay, here we go. So if you want to modify your car, just keep in mind that if you, when you do get ready to sell it, that is going to vastly, vastly lower the value of the car. Now, if you want to do it and that's what makes you happy, that's fine, especially if you're going to keep the car. It doesn't make that much difference. But you got to know that whenever you go and slam those set of custom wheels in that car, you might have paid five grand for them, but you probably knocked five thousand off the value of your car on the other end. And there's a way around that: mm-hmm. keep all the parts you take off. There you go. You can keep every part you take off of it. You get ready to sell the car. Put it all back. You like can it put was. it all back like it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Yeah, it's that, back to original. That's probably wise. Store them somewhere. And, most people won't. Yeah, most you know, people. Most of that stuff finds a trash can well, or you a take yard them off, sale. You pile up in the garage. Your wife says, "When are you get rid of my wheels?" Yeah. <laughs> so you eBay up for a hundred bucks, and it costs you three thousand to buy another set to put on there to sell the car. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's go to our phone. I've got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Well, I got to be quick on the phone call because I got to go outside and take those big fat tires off my Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> those drag strip tires. There you go. I was talking to a good friend yesterday, Lewis, uh-huh. and they said, "Well, maybe it's time to get another car." Okay. Blah blah blah, uh-huh. because this one's breaking down. And yes. you know, we talked. And then I said, "Have you ever heard of the, the automotive show on Saturday?" She said, "Yeah, I have." And you know, he's got it. Lewis said, "You know." You, do some maintenance and that sort of stuff. Right. But uh, we were kind of thinking we'd get a new car and then you wouldn't have the maintenance problem. I said, whoop, hold, yep. stop right <laughs> stop, there. Stop, stop right there. <laughs> I said, you're probably buying a car that's not as good as the one you got. You sound like a long-time listener. There you go. I am a long-time listener. <laughs> there you go. I'd like, I'd like you guys on this great 4th of July. I mean, by the way, Lewis, yep. I mean, car problems are something that we can deal with in a great country like ours. How that's about right. that, man? That's right. So anyway... And thank you guys for a great service in the show, too. Please tell people that the new cars, not only are they not maintenance-free, there may be more problem-prone with the new stuff on it. We did talk about things like, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to mention any brand names, but certain in the later 2000s, even some of the foreign cars that have great reputations for reliability, they got some quirky things on them. They do. Uh, that make them difficult, if not impossible, to repair for less than two grand. Well, what they're doing is they keep putting more and more and more technology on these cars, and technology comes with a price. For instance, when you buy a car, new cars with a set of 20 inch wheels on it, not only are they going to ride rough and wear out faster than the other ones, they're going to cost you about 300 bucks tire when you get ready to go get tires on it. So get ready for about a $1,400, $1,500 set of tires on your car just because it has these 20-inch tires on there. That's just one little... Where your old car probably costs half that Yeah, your old car has 15, 16-inch tires on. They cost $80 or $90 a piece. Right. But all the technology that goes on these cars, you're just an extreme example, is like the 6-speed and the 8-speed transmissions. 
Well, inevitably, that transmission is going to go out. I mean, you may keep the car 150,000 miles, transmission goes out. You can have to throw it away because that thing's about 12 grand. Opposed to a regular four-speed transmission like we got today that can be rebuilt maybe 2,000. So there's just tons and tons of technology on it. Sensors, steering sensors, this sensor, that sensor. Every one of those is three, $400. And when it breaks, you're not going to be able to fix it yourself. You're not even going to be able to diagnose it yourself. So electric power steering, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. They're incredibly complex. They're fairly fragile and they're extremely, extremely expensive to maintain. I mean, I see it every day. We're seeing cars now, 2006 and 2007s that are bumping up on totaling the car because one component failed. The guy still owes five grand at the bank. Gee, Wes. Yep. Like I said, they got some things. Let me tell you, new cars, the last time I got, I, I don't usually buy new cars, mm-hmm. but the one time I did about an 85 Oldsmobile 88, this mm-hmm. luxury sedan, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. About five months after I got it, it starts dropping water in the back, cool, cool and stuff. <laughs> I bring it to the Oldsmobile place. Uh-huh. Guy says, we'll look at it. They kept it three days. That was for one thing. Uh-huh. The next thing he said, well, look, that it was leaking by the intake manifold because then I said, well, why did it do that? It's a new car. He said, nobody tightened the bolts in the back. <laughs> he said, we get a few in here every now and then. And he said, they just don't tighten them at the factory. Yeah. So here, you know, if you're on your way to Tucson yeah. and you drive, that's another thing. Never put new tires or new car or anything and take off for California. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, like it's going to run. No, right. I'm a long-time listener to you guys, and uh, like I said, people are you getting the word out, and I know it's bringing people to your shop because they tell me they go there when because I recommend them to you, and okay. they are satisfied. Well, good uh, deal. It's the cheapest way is to do it right the first time. You're right. There you go. Exactly anyway, right. you guys have a great fourth. Okay, Bobby, thank, thank, you. thank you, man. Bye-bye. And we got Ray online. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, I enjoy sir. your show. Well, thanks, sir. This is just a question for my own information. Okay. I had a... I took a truck in about a year ago to get an inspection sticker on yes, it, sir. and the gentleman told me the cigarette lighter fuse was burnt out. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So I had to go and get a fuse, and then he inspected my truck. Uh-huh. What I couldn't understand, and I, I told him, I said, well, just take your device and plug it into the external power device. Right, right, right. And he says, oh, no, I can't do that. It has to come off the cigarette lighter. So ah. I said, well, whatever. <laughs> so... A friend of mine, I was up in Tennessee last uh-huh, week, he uh-huh. told me the exact same story. Yeah. And I said, well, i got to call Lewis. I cannot <laughs> believe that they can't. That's just merely a power device, That's right? right. That's exactly right. Yeah, they're being sticklers when they do that. Technically, the law says if they plug their device in and it won't communicate, they don't have to look any further. All they have to do is give you a rejection. And that's what they're doing. But, I mean, they could go to one of the other auxiliary plugs, or there's actually devices that they can plug into that can hook to the battery if they cared to. We use the factory scan tools, and those are battery-powered. They've got their own battery. So if you plug it in where it's got a connection, it'll take it from the car. If you don't, it'll run without that as well. So, I mean, there's all sorts of ways about it, but what the state is using takes power from the battery, and all they're going to do is normally plug into the cigarette lighter if they don't have power, I mean, I guess some will, some won't. You know, some guys are jerks and some guys are genuinely interested in customer service. So, But, yeah, you're right. As long as they get a source of 12 volts and ground, and it has to be the same 12 volts and ground on the car, they can't hook it to a battery on the ground necessarily because mm-hmm. it has to ground back through that connector. So that really doesn't make any sense to me. They should have just plugged into one of the other auxiliaries or at least tried it. 
That's not the first time we've heard that story. No, that, we hear that quite a bit. Yeah. Well, you know, some cars, a cigarette lighter is a, an extra. you got to pay extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the point. All right, well, thanks a lot. Okay, Appreciate Ray. the info. Thanks, right. sir. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we'd love to have you. During our vehicle questions, there is three or four questions on that topic about the cigarette lighters and the instance. Uh, inspection stickers because mm-hmm. we do a lot of repair on that just because people have failed inspection because the cigarette lighter doesn't work. Right. Some folks weren't aware that it didn't work because they don't use it. Other folks, maybe they knew it didn't work, but they're using another one or something well, the, like that. The power for the connector, the computer connector, mm-hmm. it uses the same fuse as a cigarette lighter. Right. So if you put something in the cigarette lighter that don't quite fit and it shorts it out, right. you won't know it unless you go to use a cigarette lighter again or when they plug their tool in to check the codes. in the. Some of them, the Keep Alive memory runs through that same fuse. Uh-huh. And if the Keep Alive memory fuse, called a cam fuse, Keep Alive memory, if that blows out, what will happen is every time you switch the car off, it's going to lose all its memory. So if you go to get an inspection sticker, even if that is working, it's going to say the readiness tests are incomplete. It's like you disconnected the battery. Exactly. Because it's just lost all its memory and it has to rerun those tests, which can take anywhere from a week to two weeks sometimes. Depending on the vehicle and That's right. driving conditions. So before you go down to get an inspection sticker, it's always best to kind of plan ahead. Look at the lights, make sure they're all working, toot the right. horn, that sort of thing. But also check and see if your cigarette lighter is working. And if it's not, check the fuse first. If it's not the fuse, go ahead and have the thing repaired. But allow yourself a little time because you may be as much as a week or more before you're able to get your inspection sticker. Just exactly. the nature of the device. See, I think we have time to catch one more call for the break. we got Ronnie online. Good morning, Ronnie. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Talking about my wife's 2001 Toyota Sienna. The okay. front struts and the rear shocks both need to be replaced on the thing. It's got quite a few miles on it. And just pricing the aftermarkets, you know, the Monroes and the Gabriels compared yes, to the original equipment manufactured, quite a bit of difference in mm-hmm. the price. I just yeah. wanted your opinion Quite. on using those aftermarkets versus versus putting the original. I can tell you, truck. Ronnie, we got probably 255-gallon drums out back full of those aftermarket ones that we've taken off because people have been totally dissatisfied. Is that right? Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Particularly, and I can't name brand names on the air, but most of the aftermarket stuff, the the big names that you used to know and trust are absolute trash. They've been bought and sold three or four times. No telling where the country of origin is on it. I know I had a guy bring me a set the other day. I looked at it, it was made in Brazil. So mm-hmm. you really don't know what in the world you're getting. There are some aftermarket companies that are probably better than others. If you can find the words KYB, they make a pretty good shock. I would say it is probably on a par with the original stuff. And they do make different levels of shocks. They make better and worse grades. So you want the higher grade. But that might be a way to go. If I remember right, Toyota is not all that expensive on their shocks. I know their, their struts are a little more expensive, but it's a, it's a pretty high-quality part that they sell. Okay, and that was KYB is KYB, in Bravo? KYB, yes, sir. No, KYB okay. is in Bravo, yes, sir. Okay. All right, very good. Appreciate okay. feedback. Thank okay, you. man. Thank right. you. Bye. Right, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally. All he could say was, all right, all right, all right. Still, it's in auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. 
What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alpazan, Mr. Brian Terry. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls? We're talking during the break about cars and that commercial about the average person will have 12 cars. Right. I said probably the first 15 cars I ever owned cost less than 50 bucks each. There you go. <laughs> I can count all the ones I've had on one hand. That's right. Of course, nowadays, you, know, you go down there in a cheap car, I mean, a just a beater is probably ten to $12,000. Oh, yeah. And anything with any kind of amenities on it, you're going to be up to around thirty grand pretty darn quick. Yeah. What gets me, if you notice how many commercials they run, you just about cannot turn a television or a radio on without hearing car commercials. Oh, I know. You think they're just, they're hurting. Nonstop. Yeah. And what is it? It was such a great deal. There's, this was such a money-saving, wonderful, high-quality product, people would be beating a path to the door that's right it would sell itself that's right like any other good product that's you know, right people are going to want it look at the they're going to go out of the way to get it yeah. <laughs> they stand in line to get them <laughs> oh, i'm telling you i passed by the other morning yeah. stand in line before daylight that's right and most of these bailout money what they've done they haven't spent any on that on making the cars any better they no. spent it on big old advertising budgets to get you to buy more of them to lie to you and promise you the moon and I just think it's going to end up really, really coming back to hurt them. I don't think we've even begun to see the bottom yet. Oh, I'm, because I'm telling you. when all these people get these cars and then find out how bad they are, and now they're upside down, exactly. they still owe 20 grand at the bank on a car that won't run and costs too much to fix, fix. and they ain't got it, you're talking about a lot of Americans are going to be in some serious, serious oh, yeah. trouble. Yeah. I don't know. Don't want to talk too much about it. We'll get depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the phone line with James. Good morning, James. Hello there, hon. I got one of them little Honda okay. SUVs. All right, sir. And everybody tell me not don't wash that engine. It's best not to, yes, sir. Why not? Well, it's got a ton of connectors on there and a ton of electronic sensors on there. And you start washing it, you're going to end up getting water in them. And then you have to tow the car into me and spend about $500 for me to clean it all out. Yeah. Well, That's one reason. Other than that, they really don't get very dirty. Every car I ever owned, uh-huh. and I've owned a bunch of them. Uh-huh. Every car I have owned, I take that thing in, wash the yeah. engine out, and go ahead on, you know? Yeah, well, if you do that, keep my phone number handy. <laughs> You'll be calling me. There's a lot, a lot of electronics on that engine, and there's a lot of components that are temperature-sensitive and temperature-critical. You start spraying water on there, and you end up spending a good bit of money trying to rectify it. Now, the other side of the coin is, I'm going to tell you, that little Honda, I have never seen one that leaked a lot of oil to any degree. That engine will stay pretty clean. Well, it don't leak a lot of oil. No. It get that regular road dust. Well, what I would probably do is just take a towel and maybe a little solvent if you need to and just get in there and kind of wipe it clean. Even an air hose. Yeah, even an air hose and blow the dust blow out the of dust it. Blow the dust out of it. That's not going to hurt anything, but yeah. I wouldn't spray water under that hood. I mean, uh, there's tons and it, tons of things under there now that you can damage. It gets enough when it rains. Those, them, I had one of them little Ford 100s, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I drove that thing around here for all my 
I had a couple. Of, well, I had two hundred fifty thousand miles mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. and uh, every every time I'd wash the car, just about, <laughs> I'd wash that engine. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, nowadays everything is sensors and this, that, and other. There's just a ton of electronics on there, and electronics don't like water. So it's best not to. Even the alternator, you get some of those are computer controlled electronic alternators. They may cost five hundred bucks a piece, and you sit there and spray water up in it. Man, ain't no telling what'll happen. Uh, <laughs> maybe take, take a damp rag, like I say, wipe it off, take an air hose, kind of blow it off. That's that's basically all you need to do. Well, they're making it hard for a man to get around, don't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, you got no idea. You ought to come sit in the shop one morning and just listen to the people coming in there. And the majority of it is the late model stuff. The older cars, mid-2000 on back, you see the normal stuff, normal wear and tear, and the repair bills are generally at least palatable, if not, you know, not going to be enjoyable, certainly. But, well, I tell you, it is absolutely nothing to see a two, dollars $3,000 repair bill on these newer cars. I mean, that is nothing at all, and it may be $200 labor and $2,800 parts. Well, I know one thing. Every time you take that thing into the shop to have it mm-hmm. oil change or something on it, you know, they always... You know they they come up with a big big old bill on it, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I don't know. It uh, I think it's best just keep you find you a, a pretty nice old car and just just keep it. You well, know? I believe That's you're it. probably right. And I'll uh, drive it, you know, until it uh, just quit rolling. Well, and if you kind of maintain it, I mean, the car probably you you'll be tired of seeing it before it ever wears out. Oh yeah. I mean, we get cars in every single day with two hundred and three hundred thousand miles on them because the people take care of them. And well, yeah. well, you can put three and three and four hundred thousand right. miles on them, you know. You take care of it. That's right. All righty. Okay. Okay, Miss James. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Good morning, Frank. Yes. Good morning. I have a nineteen ninety nine Chevrolet with a three fifty. Mm-hmm. Has a four speed electronic transmission. Yes, sir. And when I got off the interstate the other day, you know, I had been driving from Blue Bonnet up to the airport. First time I took off in about 15 feet or so, it had a big surge in the drive line and did that several times. Mm-hmm. And then I got home, checked the fluid. When it cooled down, it was okay. And then it didn't do it again. And someone said it might have been the torque converter that locks up when you're on the no. highway and it didn't release. No. No? No. <laughs> no. More likely, Frank, it's going into high-pressure mode because it detects a slipping. And when that happens, it runs the pressures to maximum. And so it's going to really bang when it shifts. That's now, what it did. once you turn the key off and turn it back on, it resets that until it happens again. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is the reason why it went into that mode. If you bring it to someone who knows what they're doing, like you bring it to Agco, we can go in with a scan tool, and it's going to be a code stored in the transmission computer P1870. What okay. 1870 means is it's a maximum adaptive pressure. When it starts to see the transmission slip, it starts to boost the pressure to try to account for it. When it gets to a certain point, it's got it at maximum amount of pressure and it's still slipping. That's when it's going to start doing it. It kicks it into a limp mode. Now, real dangerous when that happens, number one, because it can break a lot of things because of the high pressure. And number two, it bypasses the cooler on the radiator because the radiator can't stand that much pressure. So you're not getting any cooling to your transmission. Generally, the reason it's slipping is because you've got either a plugged-up filter, which means you've got some clutch material or something in it, or it's, it's kind of like the early warning sign you're fixing to have a failure in most cases. Okay, the transmission was serviced here not long ago, maybe 2,000 miles Well, back, you when know. you say service, you mean you went somewhere and got flushed or you had a proper service done on it? Well, they dropped the pan, okay. changed the filter, and refilled it with fluid. Okay, well, it's got fresh fluid and fresh filter on it, and you probably have an internal problem inside the transmission. It could be as simple as a stuck solenoid, 
or it could be the transmission is just slipping and is seeing that and that's what it's trying to prevent. So what would be best is to get it in to someone who knows what to do and let them put a pressure gauge on it, determine what the problem is. How many miles are on it, Frank? It's got 60,000. 60, low mileage. At that yeah, lower mileage, you may be able to go in and just change that solenoid, which is fairly easy. Right. But if you let it go on, you can end up with a transmission. Yeah, because that's the first time it's done and hadn't done it since. But it Normally, you're going to have to drive it a good ways to get it to do it. Right. You okay. see, what happens if you're just on short trips, it starts to slip, it starts to adapt, and then you turn it off, it resets. On right. a long trip, it kind of accumulates, and that's when it's going to do it. Normally, after driving an hour or two, like take it down to New Orleans and back, and that's when you're going to see it. Okay. It's, it's kind of an early warning sign. If you catch it now, you may be able to fix that relatively easy and at relatively low expense. But if you let it go and tear something up, you end up with a transmission. All right. Thank okay. you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. Since we're all uh, belly aching, and I know I'm doing my fair share <laughs> belly aching over new cars. Yeah, I've man. Got, I've got a 2007 that uh, we spent close to 72000 on it in, in 2007. It's a top-of-the-line Audi mm-hmm. SUV. Mm-hmm. And my question is, we love the car uh-huh. a lot. Okay. Now, I will say something that y'all haven't addressed, though, about buying new cars uh-huh. is you do get an opportunity to test out a lot of their loaner cars because it is a great opportunity to see what other cars they sell. <laughs> when your car goes in the shop, uh-huh. Uh-huh, that is, you know, they, you do, that is one side product that you get to them all out. Yeah, but hopefully you ain't going to be in the shop that often. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, that's not the point, is it? Mm-hmm. So the question is, we've got about 35,000 miles on this thing, and we uh-huh. like it a lot. And we got about another uh, 15000 before warranty runs out. But the uh-huh. way we're going, that's going to be in just a, not too much longer here. Yes, sir. Because uh, we've started putting a lot of miles on it. And the question is, what would you do? If you like this car a lot, would you, one, spend $3,600 on the extended warranty no. after it's fifty for another 50000 No. All right. Well, now let me throw this out real quick, though. If things got adaptive cruise, it's right. got right. all the electronic yep. sunroofs and everything is just mike i know what they're telling you listen to yep. a guy who's in the industry i've been doing this 40 years i have seen more extended warranties than you've had tv dinners in your life <laughs> they do not pay for anything they've okay. got your money you're hoping they're gonna give you some back it's in their best interest to keep it there's always a reason why they can't pay the claim if they do pay the claim they're not gonna pay all of the claim it's just it's a sucker deal what you need to do is start your little fund on the side another like a yep. savings account and start putting your yeah. money in there. So stick, when the car breaks, get thirty six hundred in the account. Yeah, and just maintain the car and go from there. I mean, if not, just take the thirty six hundred, go down to the casino, and hope you hit the jackpot. <laughs> the odds are just as good. I mean, there's an, art, there's an article on my site on extended okay. warranties, and you might want to go in there and read that and see. But I know I've heard people say, "Oh yeah, I bought one and I came out." Just uh, it flies in the face of logic. They're paying the dealership probably between six and eight hundred dollars to sell you that policy. So right. if they can kick cough up that kind of cheese just to sell their policy, I mean, they ain't giving money away. They're not right. stupid. They're looking at the odds, and okay. you're going to lose. I mean, they got your money already. They're going to tell you how to do it, when you can do it, where you're going to do it, and all everything else. And get them in constantly. They'll come in. We call extended warranty company. Well, that's not covered. Well, that's not covered. Guy was in just the other day, and check engine light pops on, Chevy pickup. The vacuum solenoid on the fuel tank was out. I called the warranty company. Well, it's not covered. Okay, so what's covered? <laughs> I had another guy, and, and this is particularly cheesy. We had a guy come in, and the lower ball joints were worn out. They were squeaking. I called the company. He says, well, are they worn out or are they broken? I said, well, they're worn out. He said, we only cover them they break. 
<laughs> so you want him to drive it till the wheel falls off? <laughs> he's like, oh, that's his choice. We don't cover them unless they broke. We don't cover wear and tear. Was All his right. words. So, well, yeah. then let me ask you this. A complex vehicle like that is, mm-hmm. is not too complex for you guys, right? Well, we don't work on European vehicles at all, Mike. We, uh, just, okay. we service Japanese and we service America. Just every one of those vehicles that you're going to work on now is about a twenty dollars to $30,000 worth of tooling, and it's just Absolutely. not enough of them for us to justify buying tooling. Makes sense. Makes mm-hmm. sense. All right, guys. Well, great show. Thank you very much. Thank you, help. Mike. Thank Bye-bye. you, Mike. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And I just really, really am adamantly opposed to those extended warranties just because I am by nature a risk manager. I mean, that's what management is all about is Mm -hmm. managing risk. You can't avoid all risk clearly, but you can manage your risk. And that is like walking into the casino and playing the roulette wheel. The guy with the wheel is going to win. That's it. The odds are stacked against you. Yeah, the odds are against you. And you got to remember, those guys have your money up front. It's sort of like calling a plumber or a roofer and say, let me pay you in full. And in six months from now, if something happens on the roof, you come by and fix it for me. Yeah. <laughs> How good a service are you going to get? Yeah. I'll keep my money in my pocket. I'll choose where I go. And if I'm not happy, I'll go somewhere else with my money. That's it. Now I'm calling the shots. But when they got your money up front and the more they keep, the more they make, the more to give you, the more they, the less they're going to make. Man, all the incentives are against you. you That's know? it. And those guys are professionals. I mean, they are consummate professionals at keeping your money. Let's see. I think we can take one more quick call for the break. We got Fred on line. Good morning, Fred. Hello. Yes, sir. Good morning. I was not going to call, but you said something. Now I got to call. Go ahead. <laughs> you specifically mentioned a 2006 Chevrolet pickup truck with an EVAP code. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty common. I took it to the place where I normally go uh-huh. and had a code. And they said, look, take it to the dealer that should be covered on extended warranty. My truck's got 53,000 miles mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. I took it to the dealer. Mm-hmm. cost me $411 to get it. <laughs> yep. No, no, you're talking about extended warranty. Yeah. I do yeah. not have one on mine. Yeah. And you just said, no, they say, no, that's not covered. Not covered, yeah. But I talked to the mechanic. Mm-hmm. I talked to the mechanic to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you seen this before? He said on every one of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it happens quite a bit. Mine's done it already. Yeah. Call a pattern I said, failure. I said, they don't have a recall? No. Nope. nope. They do have a technical service bulletin yeah, out. Fred, I could sit here and give you a list of about 200 things that's going to happen on that truck in the next X number of miles, and just about how many miles it's going to do, because the same thing breaks on every one of them. They don't recall anything. I've got two. I've spent $1,500 on it, non-routine maintenance, mm-hmm. in the past three months. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, wait till it starts losing coolant and you can't figure out where it's going. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to really get interesting. <laughs> tire rods wear out. You are really encouraging me. <laughs> I tell you what, I don't think I'll buy another one. Yeah, guy, I got an 06 also. Guy asked me the other day, he says, what do you think about American cars? I, I love them. It's 1500 bucks every time to roll in here. You ain't going to like it much, though. Look, I, I'm 58 years old. Uh-huh. I've had Chevrolet's for 30 years. Yep. I will never buy another no. motors product. No. As soon as they stuck their hand out to the American public and said, give me your money and, yep. and shafted their vendors and the stockholders and everybody else, I'm done with them. Well, I'd al- I had already bought before that happened, but sure as I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have bought what I did. I can <laughs> guarantee I'm, you. I'm okay. I've had this one for four years. It's uh-huh. got 3,000 miles on it. Uh-huh. And I want all your listeners to know, Freddie <laughs> will never buy another government motors vehicle. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Don't blame you, man. Bye. All right, friend. All right, now. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, friend, you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take another quick little break. We'll be right back with more.
Oh man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there, judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altsan, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco. Between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? A lot of people do buy all sorts of vehicles and have pretty good luck with it. I uh-huh. mean, I know we talk a lot about the problems, and there are certainly way more problems than there should be, in my opinion. Most definitely. Some people do have a car and they do like it. So I don't want to sound like just a harbinger of gloom and it's just absolutely every car is bad and all that. It's just that there's way, way, way more problems than they should be. And in my opinion, they should take some of the money that they are absolutely wasting on all this advertising and promotion and lying that they're doing and make the cars better. Exactly. You know, you build, spend- build a good product, sell it at a reasonable price, and people will beat the door down to get in there. That's right. I mean, that's just the way it's always been. But we sort of kind of lost sight of that. And now it's like, well, with enough slick marketing. We can inflate the list price to sixty grand and then knock ten thousand off, and people are going to fall for it. Right. Well, people aren't stupid, and when they get out there five, six years, they still owe five thousand at the bank, and the car ain't worth five thousand. Now they're upside down. They can't trade. They can't get rid of it. When you keep putting people into that situation, then you wonder why the economy is in the tank. And you wonder why you're having to bail companies out. Well, yeah, and I mean, you got a political system who's telling us, oh, you need to go out and buy, 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 buy. No, we don't. We need to pay off some of our bills. <laughs> yeah. Start getting better manage, products. Manage it like a household. That's right. You yeah, know? start There's getting, certain bills you have to keep paid, and there's certain things you can do with the amount of money you bring in. Your discretionary income exactly but let's give us a car that holds up that lasts it doesn't cost a fortune it doesn't have to talk it doesn't have to start itself it doesn't have to park itself right i just want to get from point a to point b and i don't want to spend 10 grand on it the next five years (laughs) (laughs) just doesn't seem like that difficult a concept but i'm gonna go back to the lines with terry good morning terry i recently uh, my company just recently bought a 2009 chevy truck Uh okay and it was popping real bad like something was wrong with the rear end. Uh-huh. Took it to, back to the dealer, and they said they uh, cleaned the yoke on it. Yeah, well, they were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I took it back again, and they said they changed the yoke shaft on it. Yeah, probably the drive shaft yoke is what I'm guessing. It kind of was loud pop after coming to a stop, or when yeah. you took your first takeoff, like a cone, you know, like somebody bumped you from the back. And when I slow down yeah. and then take off again, mm-hmm. it almost pops your neck. Chevrolet has had that problem to one degree or another for the last since, 15 years, I guess. Since about uh, 99. Yeah, 98, 99, somewhere back in yeah. there is when they start having that problem. And 
they still got it, obviously, if, if an 9 is doing it. What they normally will do is go in and lubricate the splines on that shaft where it can slide in and out. And if that doesn't work, I guess they're replacing the shafts. Relatively simple thing. In fact, if you go on my website, there's an article on it with pictures and everything else that explains what's going on with it. But kind of like what we've been talking about, the problems that they have that just seem to keep going on and on and on, that they just not seem like they're even worried about fixing. The transmissions in those things had a 4L60E, and there's a part in there called a reaction shell. And when it breaks, you lose second gear and you lose reverse. And they've been having the same part in there since 1982, and they've never changed it. And I mean, when I tell you we do three or four of them a week, that's yeah. no exaggeration. We're actually keeping them in stock. Yeah, we keep them in stock. Uh, and we, yeah. there's an aftermarket part that we put that's made of billet steel. It costs about $2 more, and it fixes the problem. I got you. So, I mean, and it's another crazy. thing, thing y'all were talking about, the coolant loss, I just noticed also on this new truck, uh-huh. when I first crank it up, I can smell antifreeze in the cab. Hmm. It turned that, like it's coming out the air conditioner or something. Yeah, heater mm. core may be leaking on Maybe. it. Not good, man. Long as it's under warranty, try to get as much of that stuff covered as you can. Yeah, you've already on it. Yeah, you know what you might want to consider too, Terry, is before it goes out of warranty, ask your boss if he could bring it in to us. We can do what we call a pre-warranty expiration inspection, and uh-huh. that's where we can go through and check it and tell you everything that's not giving you symptoms yet that is broken or is going to break, and you can go get it uh-huh. all covered under warranty before it gets out. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, to me. it's not a bad because, idea because uh, we we see that I a lot. Noticed it. Yeah, it smells just like hot antifreeze, yeah. you know, like hot, hot coolant would have hit the motor or something. Yeah, it sounds like a heater core yeah. could be leaking and one of the hoses leaking there. Yeah, because you uh-huh. won't get a symptom because it drips on the car with the air-conditioned water. So yeah. you need to get that back and get them to look at it for sure. Okay, well, good. I- I'll probably bring it to y'all to give that uh, rundown. Then. Yeah, sounds good, man. Okay, All right, thanks Terry. a lot. Thank you, All man. Right. Bye-bye. Just mention briefly the pre-warranty expiration inspection, and that is an inspection that we came up with for the specific purpose that a lot of times something is starting to go wrong at 35,000 miles but may not show up a symptom to 40,000 or more. Which would be out of your warranty. Out of your normal warranty. Right. But if we catch it early. You can get it covered under right. your warranty. Now, sort of a partial list of those things that we find a lot is like intake gaskets that are starting to leak. Right. Oil pan gaskets that are starting to leak. They're wet around the seam, but it's not dripping on the ground yet. So unless you crawl on the car and look at it, you're not going to see it. Air conditions that are below efficiency, mm-hmm. technical service bulletins that are out that could be covered now that are going to go out later on and be out of warranty. All those sorts of things we can catch, route you back to the dealer, get those covered under warranty because that warranty is not free. It that's was right. included it was, in the price of the car. You paid right. for it, so you might as well get what you got coming. But I would always advise folks to get it in, do a pre-warranty expiration inspection before you get out of warranty just to get as much covered as you possibly can. Let's see if we can catch some of these calls. We got Dan online. Good morning, Dan. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Good morning. Good. My wife has a 2006 Dodge Caravan Uh V6, Uh and it's out of warranty, and it's got about close to 60,000 miles. But the only problem with it is, is when she fills up with gas, Uh she'll pull away from the pump, stop, and then. But when she gets ready to pull out on the main road, it hesitates, and I guess in the last three months. About one out of every, say, seven times, it'll die on her. And most of the time, it'll just hesitate and then go. Yeah. But every now and then, it has died on her. But it only, it only does happens it when you fill it with gas? Only when you fill it up with gas. Top, you top it off with gas, and she cranks it up to drive off. 
and it'll drive off fine. Sometimes if she's real close to an intersection, mm-hmm. she'll pull out to the next little intersection, and then when she gets ready to take out on, uh-huh. onto the street, it'll hesitate yeah. and sput and almost die. That sounds like some won't. kind of a vent or something issue mm-hmm. on that thing. Dan, they've, they've got a little float valve in the top of that tank that in case the vehicle were to be upset, like turn on its side or turn over, uh-huh. it floats up and blocks that tank off. Yeah. And that's where it vents the fuel in also. So if something is malfunctioning with that, it may be blocking that off when it shouldn't, and she may be pulling a vacuum on the tank and causing that. That's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. Sorry, we're just totally out of time. Appreciate everybody who listened to us this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Especially our podcasters that are tuning in. That's right. Keep listening and send a friend. There you go. We need all the listeners we can get. <laughs> Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. And remember, on this birthday of our country, how great this country used to be and exactly how great it can be again as long as all of us do the right thing. Have a great 4th of July.